morning. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel 22, please. This is part four of Simon Says. Now, every one has been different, so if you've missed the others, this one is completely different, so don't be concerned that you'll be trying to figure things out on the way along. But Luke 22. Verse 31, please. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Keep your Bible open there. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this table we have gathered around. We thank you, Father, for so many of your people gathered unto your name to remember your son and his death at Calvary, the giving of his life, the shedding of his blood. We thank you for the children's ministry back, Father, after their break. And we pray for each and every one of them, the leaders and the teachers there, that you would encourage them and bless their wee hearts. Father, something that will be said or done will find a lodging place there as they grow up in this world, should your son tarry. And now, Father, we pray that you settle us in this place and you take away any distracting thoughts or opposing spirits and bind them in Jesus' name, that you would take them. Father, then that you would open our hearts, the hearts that are stony cold or even wayward, the hearts that have been drifting, or even maybe, Lord, the hearts that have never been touched by your Spirit at all. Would you regenerate, Lord? We pray, Father, that you would take us this morning in a man of frailty and clay lips and anoint him with your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we pray that Whatever is done this morning would be to the exaltation and the glorification of your Son, the Lord Jesus. May he alone have the preeminence. Remember, we pray this morning, June's mommy in that hospital and others, Lord, that we always bear in prayer those who are still tender after bereavement. And we pray, O God, that you would minister your spirit of comfort to them. May they know the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich for he alleth no sorrow with it. Glorify your Son this morning among us. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. The Lord said in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And I've spoken on this verse quite a few times, but one or two different things we want to look at this morning. If you remember, if you were listening to the other parts, we looked at Simon, his word, or his name, pardon me, comes from Simeon, one of the sons of Jacob. And it means to hear or the hearing. And hence, sometimes when it's mentioned twice, it's a call here to hearing, that the Lord, the Spirit, wants 
to say something to you this morning. That the Lord saying, listen, listen, when his name is put forward, it's Simon, Simon. And so when he says it, he's trying to grab his attention. The Lord wants the full, unrestrained, undiluted attention of Simon Peter and of you this morning. Notice here, when he says Simon, Simon, that it is usually given as an expression of intimacy. And the Lord has said it quite a few times throughout the Old Testament as well, calling people by their name twice. And mostly and usually what happens is when he calls it, it's an intimacy, a, a time of intimacy with that person, but not only a time of intimacy with that person, but it also calls for their attention. He wants to speak directly to you. So what does the Lord want to tell you this morning? We'll leave that to the Holy Spirit as we go through this message. Notice this double mention. Not only is it a, a term or an expression of intimacy, but I think not only is it to call, as it were, to call you to attention, but it also gives an idea that after this, something happens. After the double mention, something is about to take place. And hence, for example, I'll give you one or two examples or a few. In Genesis 22, if you want to write it down or listen later, or if you can keep up, that's fine. But in Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord calls out unto him, that is unto Abraham, out of heaven, and says, Abraham, Abraham. And this is when he's taken Isaac, his only son Isaac, whom he loves, to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. He has the knife, as it were, up. He has built the altar. The knife is up. And he's about to plunge the knife into his son in obedience to the Lord. That's some obedience, isn't it? Sometimes I wonder how our obedience is. And yet we're post-cross. We're New Testament Christians. And yet, born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled, and sometimes I wonder, where is our obedience in comparison to the like of the obedience of Abraham and those in Hebrews chapter 11 or faith's hall of fame? Notice the angel of the Lord called out unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. The strange little thing is, most of the times when God is calling these patriarchs, they say, here am I. They never say, here I am, because there only is one I am. Mostly they say, here am I, to the I am, to the Lord himself. And notice here he says, in verse 12, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Isaac being a foreshadowing and a type of Christ, only the Lord Jesus, the Son, the Father, did not stay his hand on the cross. The Father did not stay his hand on the cross, but yet Christ went fully into death, fully into the grave, and the Father would raise him again the third day. The thing about Isaac being sacrificed here, the Lord just didn't say, I want you to take Isaac's life, put in the knife and leave it. He is to take him and he's to offer him for a burnt offering. A burnt offering. Many people miss that. They think it's just, well, he's going to die and that's it. No, no, a burnt offering. Would you say burnt offering? 
And it's important. You know why? Because when he becomes a burnt offering, Abraham has to have enough faith. Abraham has to believe God enough that even when he kills and puts in the knife into Isaac, and when he lights that fire under the altar, and when the altar consumes that body, it's going to go to dust and ashes and powder. He has to have enough faith that God is able still to raise him again from the dead. Because he said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. Lord, if you have told me this will happen, then it will happen. If you have said that an Isaac, my seed, will be called, if I kill him, burn him, as it were, to cinders, to dust, to ashes, you will raise him again. Brothers and sisters, what a great example for us to be encouraged to know that when the day comes, should the Lord tarry, that you and I leave this scene of time, that there's coming a great day. Pastor Glenn mentioned it around the table of resurrection, knowing that God is able to resurrect us again unto eternal life and his glory. Some people think it's fantastical. Well, it is. Too wonderful. Well, it is. But I don't know how it's going to happen. How is the Lord going to raise those who were burned at the stake and went to powder? How is the Lord going to raise those bodies that went to the grave even in biblical days? I don't know. But I know he will. Because he said it. That settles it. So I'll believe it. That's how faith and trust in the Lord. And sometimes when God gives us something to believe me for greater things, believe me for mightier things, we say, Lord, it's too fantastical for me. It's too big for me. Yes, it is, but it's not for him. It's not for him. So let's continue to press on in God. And when the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, here he's planning something greater. What was it? If you read on down in, he says, your seed will become as the stars of heaven and the sand and the seashore and so on. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And he goes on with the promise. Secondly, in Genesis 46, verses 2 and 3, And God spake unto Israel, that is unto Jacob, in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob, notice twice, and he said, Here am I. There's that term again. Verse 3, And he said, I am God, the, the glory of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will make, there make of thee a great nation. So now he's telling Jacob, He's saying, Jacob, Jacob, intimacy, he draws near. To Abraham, Abraham, intimacy, he draws near. And in intimacy, he tells him of the promised blessing for him. He tells him of the the plan God has for his life and the hope that is in God that this will come to pass. Now Jacob is the same, drawing near. Jacob, Jacob. And of course here he's saying, you're going to become a great nation, but there's a famine and all my sons are in Egypt and if I go there, what if we don't come out again? What if we go into Egypt and we're lost there? Listen, they went into Egypt and they were there for 400 to 430 years and God still kept his promise. God still kept his promise and maybe you're waiting on a promise fulfilled. But you just keep holding on and you just keep on trusting. Because God always keeps his word. God always keeps his promise. God always brings it to pass. Just as he said it, he's never too early. He's never too late. He's always on time. 
always on time. So notice here, it's always like a blessing comes after it. And then thirdly in Exodus 3, verse 4, it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. There's it again. Moses, Moses. The burning bush, the logos of the word comes out of the bush. And it goes, Moses, Moses. Take thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thy standest is holy ground. And what was the blessing? Moses was to be the commander of his people, Israel. Moses was to go to Pharaoh in strength and power of the Lord. And Moses, you're going to be able to do this through me. And hence we see, again, God drawing near and drawing close to him. And then in 1 Samuel 3 and verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak for thy servant, heareth. Now this is the fourth time the Lord had spoken out to Samuel. But the three previous times he said his name once. The young boy is in his bed, Samuel. Samuel again, Samuel again. But the fourth time the Lord comes in intimacy to this young boy who's going to be one of the greatest prophets ever in Israel. And he comes right to him, Samuel, intimacy, Samuel, intimacy. You're going to be one of the greatest prophets. And in that chapter he says, tell Eli, the high priest, what I'm going to tell you. Samuel didn't want to say because he knew that it wasn't nice. It wasn't good because Eli was going to die. The Lord was going to remove him. Eli was the high priest. And Eli allowed his sons, allowed his sons, his own flesh and blood sons, to be wicked in the house of the Lord and to minister in the same house. Brothers and sisters, we have to be careful how our lives are when we minister in this church. We have to be careful whether you're shaking a hand at a door or waving somebody hello in the car park. Whether you're in here leading somebody to their seat or whether you're a deacon doing whatever work or a, a youth leader or on this stage singing and playing to be careful and as leaders of the church we have to at times take things into hand and say we must keep the stage clean we must keep the house clean we must do this in order that God will move among us no hindrances in the worship no hindrances at the door no hindrances. Notice here, the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel, this is what Eli is like. I wonder what the Lord says about me. I know he sees me perfect in Christ, perfected in Christ, yet I'm failing as a human as a, and a human frame. I understand that. But what does he see when he looks at you and me as we minister. 
What does the Lord see? What would he say to someone in here? I'll use my name, Ken. Ken. I wonder what the Lord call me, Kenneth. I don't know. I hate Kenneth. hope he doesn't. If he doesn't, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth. Lord, call me Ken, please. And here we find that at times the Lord draws an intimacy to tell us enough is enough. And then in Luke chapter 10 and verse 41, Jesus is with Mary and Martha, and it says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Verse 42 says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Martha's things were helpful, but Mary's thing was needful. One thing is needful. Sitting at the feet of Christ. Now we need people who are Martha's. Don't you get me wrong. But Martha's. You also need to be a Mary. And Mary. You don't need to be so heavenly minded. That you're no earthly use. We have people who are so spiritual. Remember a while back. There was one or two who were so spiritual. They thought that when they came into church. They were floating in their clouded chariot. And they were willing to do all the spiritual work, but they were not willing to get their hands dirty. So whether it's the pastor or the deacon or the person in the pew, we should be seeking God's face. We should be seeking God's face. We should have time with the Lord and we should be spending time in his presence. We should have a personal walking, talking, living, breathing relationship with Christ. And that's every day, not just a church on a Sunday. But we should also be ready to put our hand to the plow. I've always said and I've promised I will never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So if I asked you, would you clean the toilets? The deacons do that. But if I asked you to clean the toilets, you hadn't done it before. If you say, have you done it yourself? I'll say yes. I have. In fact, Nana down the back has the proof, don't you? Yes. <laughs> with my yellow Murray goals on. Or the pink, are they? You're letting me down here with the colours, you know? My lovely pink ones, you know? <laughs> They're pink. We should be ready to serve. For there are things that are helpful, but for your soul there are things that are needful. And that is to be in the place with Christ. So notice here, these double mentions of the name. You know, in Acts 9, we have in verse 4, it says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know, and Saul replies, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord replies, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks and, and so on. And then comes Saul's conversion. The Lord came to Saul when he was in a religious mindset and manner, but not yet saved. 
Aren't you glad that the Lord came to where you were? Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus comes to right where you are beside you? Aren't you glad for the day and the hour and the moment when the Lord came into your life and you had no thought of him? Maybe you were even in church and churchy and religious. But Jesus came in mercy and in grace and he spoke, as it were, your name through the preaching of the word and the power of the spirit and there you were saved. Remember when you got saved? Remember your testimony of when you were saved? Who remembers when they got saved? Look, all over, who remembers where they got saved? I remember a whole lot of you getting saved. I remember getting saved. Coming in a wretch. A sinful wretch, an addict, through the preaching of the word of Pastor McConnell. He saved me. The Lord saved me. Remember that night like it was yesterday. Never forget it. Never forget it. The Lord came close. I wasn't religious in the sense where I went to church. I thought I was the greatest loyalist in Northern Ireland. I thought I was the biggest unionist there was walking. I was the biggest sinner. I was the biggest sinner. Notice, Saul saw why persecutest thou me, and Saul is about to become Paul, who then, what happens? Writes almost two-thirds of your New Testament. You see how the blessing of God is when he draws near, when the Lord is close to you? And then sometimes at the rejection of him and the calling, We find in Matthew 23, verse 37, Luke 13, verse 34, but Matthew 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus cries over the city, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy chickens together as a hen would gather under her wings, and you would not, you wouldn't come to me. Verse 38, he says, Behold your house, your religious order. Your temple, your house is left unto you desolate. So something big's happened and that this intimacy and this rebellion against God, not obedience to God and his calling, we find that Jerusalem is sacked, as it were, by Titus the Roman in AD 70. God warns him. So these people mentioned and having their name repeated We're all called unto a higher service, so to speak. But the trial, the testing, the choice, the patience were the chosen pathway to fitting them out as a vessel of honor. So when the Lord draws near to you and the Lord speaks with you and says something to you and you move toward him and for him in obedience 
And you're spending that time with him. I'm speaking to me. I hope it's speaking to you. Let the Spirit speak as he wants to speak. But when you do it, and laying down all the worldliness, all the things of the world, the loss of the world, the loss of the flesh, and the, 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 the pride of life, and all the things that we want. And the Lord says, what about me and you in this intimacy? Intimacy with Christ. Intimacy in prayer. Intimacy in reading the Word. Intimacy in listening and singing and worshiping and exalting the Lord. Intimacy in gathering as one body of uh, unified under the, the Word of God. Intimacy. And when He calls us there, there's always a blessing. There may at times be a trial, of course. The closer you get to Christ, the more you'll reject the world. And the closer you get to Christ, the more you'll hate this world. I hate the world. No, people say, oh, he's a hate the world. Why am I hate the world? I hate it. I hate everything that's in it. I hate the way it's going. I hate the things that's, that's happening. Speak maybe in some of those things tonight. I don't want to go down that route this morning. The closer you get to Christ, and maybe the Lord has spoken this morning and, as it were, called your name twice, as it were. In other words, he's drawn near. He's drawn close, and his spirit has spoken to you. Stand, brothers and sisters, even at the cost of trial, even at the cost of some trouble, even at the cost of it, when we follow on with God and we're close to Christ, it's always worth it, for he's no man's debtor. And so when the Lord speaks to you this morning and says something to you that you know is about you and him, that you know this is about me and you, Lord, you're speaking to me this morning, when you know it, then it's up to you to answer. It's up to you to believe him. And that leads me into our scripture this morning. That leads me into what the Lord has said to Simon Peter. Notice verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold. He's drawn his attention. I want you to listen, but I want you to behold In other words, will you look at me and listen to me? God is speaking to you this morning. He's saying, would you look at me and would you listen to me? Not to this man up here. It's not much to look at. But would you look to him, to his word, to what he is saying this morning? Simon, Simon, behold. Satan has desired to have you. Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now see when the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. The idea is, and you can read it, we'll not go into it this morning, in Job chapter 1, Satan couldn't touch Job without the Lord's permission. Now you're under the blood of Christ. 
You're washed in the blood of Christ. Isn't that right? So it means here Satan has obtained you by asking, asking for you. He's asked his father. He's asked your father. Can he have you to try you? That's what it means. But here's the way it reads. And there is no text. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And the idea is he's not just looking at Peter directly. He's maybe looking eyeballing Peter. But the word gives the idea all of the disciples are there and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you all. Satan has asked for each and every one of you. But he's obtained you, Simon, by asking for you. It's the idea of the way this reads. Satan has desired to have you. Listen, the old devil wants to ruin you all. No devil wants to ruin you all. But at certain places, points in time, the Lord allows a trial to come. He doesn't tempt you, but he allows the devil for a trial. And you might ask why. Because there's always blessing in obedience. So Satan has desired to have you all that he may sift you as wheat. And he says to Simon, but I have prayed for thee. But I've prayed for you. Now the Lord prays for all of them, but it gives the idea, especially for what you're about to go through. And here's Simon says, you ready? Here's what Simon says. Lord, I am ready. Bring it on. Bring it on. Simon says, Lord, I am ready. Now, the Lord's only after telling Simon Peter the devil wants him and he's obtained him by asking and the Lord knows the need to pray for Simon Peter. Now, the Lord's telling Peter, I'm praying for you for this. And Peter, instead of saying, Lord, thank you for your prayers. I'm so blessed that I'm covered by your prayers, Lord. Lord, oh, I just want to stay close to you, Lord. Thank you for your prayers, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that what you're doing for me. If this old devil has wanted to try and destroy me and you're praying for me, then I'll be all right, Lord. No, he goes, I'm ready. The Lord says, you're not ready. Peter says, I'm ready. He says, I'm ready to go even to prison on the death. I'm ready to do whatever, Lord. And when the trial comes within ours, the cock crows because he's already denied Christ three times. He's already denied the master. He said he was ready to die for three times in the same evening. Again, what does that say 
not only about our obedience in comparison with the patriarchs, but what does it say about our faith? Would we be willing to go into prison even unto death for Christ? How will you stand? How will you stand in that day? As this world hurtles down the road of sin deeper and deeper, how, how will we stand? What will, what will I be like? As, as we approach in the, uh, our, our age, uh, uh, whatever that day comes that we stand, looking at the, the valley of the shadow of death, how, how will our, when it's my turn, when it's my turn and when it's your turn, how, how will our strength and faith be in Christ then? You know, this morning, Linda's here, past McConnell's daughter, and Norman, her son-in-law. And they were gracious to allow me in to speak with the bishop as he was getting ready to pass on different occasions, but especially that night, Linda, that night. But coming up to the point, that point, and I, I don't want to go into too much personal detail, but coming up to that point, every time I went in, it was, ah, son, you're all right. And then after that, it was, what about the work? What's God's work like? He could have said, you know what? I'm going to go the way of, my, of, our, of our fathers and, and fall into the sleep of death, son. He could have said, oh, I'm, I'm concerned or I'm worried or I'm frightened or whatever. He could have said that. All he thought about was the work of God. And even in the death, just we'll press on. Press on right into glory. Right into the kingdom. And brothers and sisters, what would I be like? What would you be like? How would our faith stand? How's our closeness with Christ that even as the hymn writer wrote, and say should the death do thy cold on my brow. If ever I have loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. See, God draws near to us. Tells us, come into the place of prayer. Yeah, yeah, Lord, when this when this TV program's over, Christ comes near and he says, will you come and watch with me for one hour like the disciples in Gethsemane? Yeah, 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 Lord, just, you know, 
when I'm, when I'm finished watching this movie, will you come and gather together with your brothers and sisters in worshiping the Father? I will, Lord, but just not this week because of a few other things to do, a family coming for dinner. Maybe the Lord will say, well, bring them with you. wonder where we, we would stand in that day, that hour, when these things come upon us. And I want to round this up in a few moments. The tension here is tremendous. You, you, you know, it's just, I believe God is speaking to you. Listen, he's speaking to me. He spoke to me while I was writing this the other day. He spoke to me. I, I'm not trying to offend, but you know, there are some people and they, they come up with all the excuses, you know. I remember when I was young and I left, wasn't long left school and I, well, I was about 18 maybe right now. So I'd, I'd, I was driving a, a wee car at the time and I was driving this wee van for this company and I was in for the interview. And the door wraps in the room where the, the boss was and this guy comes in, he was the manager, and he says, such and such, can't remember the guy's name. Um, uh, he's late yet again. Not ready for his run to take it out. He's late yet again. And as he said that, the car comes driving up. And the boss says to him, or to me in front of him, he says, see this boy, I'm going to bring him in in front of you, in front of me. I'm only there for an interview. What do you hear the excuses he gives every single morning? I remember it was a bit of a windy morning. And he came walking in, in the door. The boss says, well, what's your excuse this morning then? He said, you wouldn't believe it. I was reversing out, he says, out my driveway. The big gust of wind blew me in and slammed the gate behind me. (laughs) So he said, I'll never forget it. And the boss just looked at me, and I'll be honest, I thought, yep. (laughs) That's what he said. Do you think the boss believed him? Because I didn't. That's true. It's true as I'm standing here. It's true as I'm standing here. I wonder when you're given the past or excuses. I wonder do, do you think you bluff them? Because I go, oh right, okay. No problem. That's all right. I've been around too many corners now. But greater still, I wonder, do we all try and bluff the Lord? Do we all think and give him the excuses? Lord, this is why this is why I haven't been in the place where I should have been. And as I close this, look at this with me, just in this chapter. I'm going to pick out just a couple of things. And So in verse 33, Simon says, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Notice Simon says, I'm ready, when Jesus says, you're not, and I'm praying for you. And that's where I run down the chapter. In verse 46, here's what happens. Verse 46, this is in Gethsemane, after all of this has taken place. 
And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Lord is saying to the sleeping, dozy disciples, Are you a dozy disciple? (laughs) A dozy disciple. In other words, first of all, Peter's wrong little side-slipping, if you want, led to a great backsliding. His side-stepping, number one, was he was trusting in his own self-confidence. I'm ready. Look at me. I'm great. And the Lord says, are you? See what you're like when you come through this. Secondly was his lack of prayer. The Lord says, why sleepy, why sleepy rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation. And whenever we are tempted or tried instead of entering into the place of prayer. Now the place of prayer, people think, well, I can't pray. I can, listen, you know what prayer is? Prayer is when you get before God and just pour out your heart. And you say, I, I don't know what to say. Well, then just say, Lord, I don't know what to say. Will you help me? Lord, my head is full of everything. Will you help me? Who's ever been praying and there's something happened during the week or somebody has said something to you in church or something's happened and they're all come up like this in your, in your mind as you're trying to pray and you can't find your way through it and you say one or two wee words and all of a sudden all, all the cares and all these things come on your head. Who's that, who's that ever happened to? Most of us. And the rest are lying. but still you're there and the spirit within us groaning makes intercession for you you know that Lord I can't oh Lord I don't even know oh Lord Lord, I'm ill the spirit mm, groaning in you will make intercession for you verse 54 after they arrest the Lord in the garden. Then took they him and led him and brought him unto the high priest's house. Peter followed afar off. Where was he? Far off. Are you far off? Are you following Christ afar off? There's your danger. Because you're following afar off means you're trusting too much in self-confidence. Self-confidence will bring you to a lack of prayer. And the lack of prayer will cause you then to follow afar off. Fourthly, verse 55, And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall where they were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Peter sat down among the Christ rejectors. Peter sat down amongst the Christ haters. Are you sitting among the world even? Are you sitting among the Christ rejectors? Supporting their ventures? Are you sitting among them and their their loves and their lusts and their worldliness? Are you sitting among the Christ rejecting crowds? So Peter followed afar off. Peter sat down among them. And what did it lead to? Verse 55, and he denied him, saying, woman, I know him not. There's your backsliding for you. 
Now you know why the Lord was praying for Peter, don't you? Peter goes out and weeps like he's not going to stop weeping. Peter hears that he's risen from the dead and runs to the tomb and he's not there. Peter goes to the Sea of Galilee as he said he would meet them there. And when he doesn't come in Peter's timing, Peter says, I go a-fishing. Now this is the same one who said earlier, through the weeks we've looked at it, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Simon says, I'm ready. The Lord said he wasn't. And he denied Christ. So, we'll stop there this morning. Where are you? With Christ this morning. Where are you with the Lord this morning? Someone this morning and you've been in the world, trifling with the world, maybe fully in the world. Will you bow with me on a word of prayer for a moment? And while every head is bowed, while every eye is closed, while no one is looking but myself, is there someone here this morning and you know you're not right with God? You know in your own heart you're not right with God. This morning, the Spirit of God has spoken to you, as it were, Simon, Simon, or whoever it may be. You're not right with me and you need to come. You need to come to me. If this, if this is you this morning and no one is watching, just myself and the Lord so that I can see. And you're saying, you know what, I, I, I'm not right. I'm not right with God. But I want to make sure I'm right. I know nearly everyone here this morning Maybe you're a Christian and you're saying, I've been messing about. I haven't been as faithful as I should have been. I've been a bit worldly. I've been a bit away. So let's draw the line in the sand this morning and surrender our hearts to Christ. Surrender yourself to Jesus this morning. From this moment, I'm going to change. I'm going to go on with God. I'm going to walk close to Him. If that's you this morning, and the Lord has spoken to you, and you know that's you. I want you to quickly and quietly just lift up your hand and take it down again. And I'll see it, and we're just going to pray for you. We're not going to call you out now. We're just going to pray for you. Just to acknowledge, this morning, God has spoken to me. I see someone there. I see another one over there. So one more. I need to get this right. I'm away from him. I'm not right this morning. Before we close this, is there one more before I close this? I'm not going to ask you up to the front. I'm just going to pray with you this morning. Is there one that you're not saved this morning? You're here. I think I know everyone, but in case I'm missing someone, you're not saved. Is there someone this morning you're not saved and you say, I want to get saved this morning? I want to come to the master. I want to give my life to Christ.
Maybe we're all saved. I think I know everybody this morning, but just in case I'm missing one. There's two people who want to make their calling and election sure this morning. And I want those two people to pray this out after me. I want you to pray. It's not a formula. It's just to help you. You know I only do this whenever I feel led to do it. And this morning I really felt led to do it. I was saved in an appeal. Thank God for it. But I want you to pray this out. And I want everyone to help them. Will you just pray it with them? Repeat after me. Father, I come to thee. In the name of your Son. The Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for him, for his doing and dying, for his precious blood, for the great salvation he brings. And so I come to you in Jesus' name. I know in my own heart and life, I haven't been walking right with you. I've wandered far from the fold. Now I want to come home. Will you receive me this morning as your child in you and afresh and glorify your son in my life. Help me to walk with you again every day and help me to be a witness for you every day. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. We're here to help you, as you know that. We're here to try and comfort you and encourage you and help you along the way. The Lord bless you. Team,